Guys, one of my favorite subjects in the whole world is the grace of God. And this weekend, I spoke about the abundance of God's grace um, and the importance of receiving it, walking in it, um, and understanding that how we respond to Jesus and his work uh, for us can impact the measure of grace that we live in. My prayer for you uh, as you listen is that there would be a real impartation and experience of the grace of God in your life to help you find strength uh, in your time of need, mercy in your time of need that would empower you um, for the good assignments that God's given you. Um, guys, keep running the race. Um, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And that's my prayer for you this week. Love you guys so much. All right. Can we do a couple things, Upper Room style? Raise your hand if this is your first time to Upper Room. Raise your hand. Welcome. We don't have any weird traditions other than just say welcome. We love you. So glad you're here. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about the Upper Room is who comes here. Um, and so I want to do a couple things. Um, number one, I just want to acknowledge uh, my new brother and friend, Milad Khoury. Can you stand up and wave? This is my friend Milad. He's from Bethlehem. Um, he's uh, an amazing uh, man of God. My brother introduced me to him. My brother and wife just moved to Israel um, in August. Uh, impeccable timing, right? And so they moved there with their six kids. Um, and they're actually, we just found out this week, they're pregnant with their seventh. Did you know that, Milad? Did you know they have number seven coming? And, um, and so Milad is here in the States. He's fundraising. He's sharing his story. He's a minister of the gospel. And so I encourage you to connect with him. So into his life and his ministry, um, just get to know him. I think he'll have incredible insight. Um, and then one other group I, I want to acknowledge. For those of you who don't know, um, on February 29th of 2016, um, Michael and the elders, they laid hands on me and Christy, and we founded Braveheart Ministries. Um, and Braveheart was birthed out of the upper room. My wife and I were, were part of the, the team here at the beginning, 2010, just this small core of people praying uh, in a vet clinic just about two miles down the road. And uh, we saw God began to move. And from that, um, God had given me a word to run with the gospel. And so I had this word from God to run with the gospel, um, but I didn't know what that meant. And so for the first five years, it was sort of just doing itinerant ministry, preaching at different churches. I wrote a, a book uh, called Back to the Gospel. And um, my heart, my passion um, in time was, I said, Lord, I really want to see the church mature into your likeness. I want to see discipleship happen. I want to see spiritual formation. My conviction is that if we have more mature sons and daughters of God, evangelism becomes a lot easier. When the church looks like Christ... We go into the world and we're just like, ta-da, and they're like, who are you? And we're like, well, it's Jesus, you know? When we don't look like Christ, we have to have a strong sales pitch. We've got to twist people's arms, and it just kind of gets funky and weird. And so um, over the last eight years, um, my wife and I, we've been um, just believing that God would raise up mature sons and daughters of God. And so we've done different programs throughout this, this time. We've done different internships um, but this spring marks something very special. We're doing um, something we're calling uh, the fellowship. Um, we invited people to apply. We have 33 of them, and I think a lot of them are here tonight. Um, they're going to be with us for 15 weeks, uh, like a discipleship training school, baptized into the gospel, equipping them to run with the gospel. Amen? 
um, in all different areas of life. And so if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. We're gonna celebrate and honor you, and I'm gonna have Phil Smith come up and pray for you. If you're in the fellowship, stand up. Yes, we can bless them. Come on, come on. Look at them. So Braveheart is growing. No, stay standing, please. Braveheart is growing in our communication, and so a lot of them signed up and didn't really know what they were signing up for. Um, and so we're going to extend hands and just have, um, I've asked Phil just to pray a blessing over these next 15 weeks. I really believe with all my heart um, it's going to be forming not just for you, but what God's going to do through you guys. And so church, can we join them? These are, these are members of our house, um, and they're just really, really dear to me and Christy, so... So I was asked just a few minutes ago <clears throat> to pray for you guys. <laughs> and I feel like I was hearing the Lord something for you guys as I was just waiting on him, getting uh, a prayer. I've got a, your first piece of homework. I want you to go home tonight, and I want you to write down what you're expecting. Have you already told me to do that? Okay. Write it down, and then I want you to write this verse below it. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do above all that you can ask or think. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I read that wrong. Now unto him who is able to do abundantly above all that you can ask or think, all that you can write down, all that you can hear from him. Wait, well, I, did, I read it wrong. Hang on a second. Paul was beside himself when he was getting this revelation. Now to him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above, more than you can ask or even think according to his great power that works in you. Father, I ask that you would take the roots down deep because deep roots produce good fruit. I ask for a deep, intimate fellowship with the Father in a way they've never known before. And with you, Jesus, the word, as they get into the written word, as they get into you, the living word, revelation of your blood and your body in communion and connection and oneness with you. And I ask for a deep, intimate connection, revelation with the spirit of truth. For your eyes have not seen yet and your ears haven't even heard what he has in store for you. But the spirit is going to reveal that. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Just you being here, you signing up, is your saying, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, and that person shall be filled. name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Phil. If you have your Bible with you, I love the Bible, open it to John chapter 1. So thankful for the worship team. You know, we just, guys are getting in the spirit, singing about a light load. Um, I felt led to, to share on the grace of God tonight. And I don't know what lightens our load more than the grace of God. <laughs> So we're just in the spirit. How many of you experienced something during worship? You could feel the load coming off. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hand. This is your testimony. That's amazing. Come on. We thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I'm going to warn you tonight. Um, a lot of the scriptures we're going to look at, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about um, are things that you may know intellectually. Um, and if your approach tonight is to learn something new intellectually, you will be disappointed. <laughs> we, we don't come to church and to the word of God to learn something new intellectually. We come because these scriptures testify of who Jesus is and they position our heart in a moment in hearing when it's mixed with faith to be joined to him, to touch him in a way that we've never touched him before. <clears throat> See, when I read my Bible, I read my Bible to know and experience and to be joined to the Lord. Out of the overflow of God's heart, he spoke to us. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If this is the word of God, then out of God's heart, this is his heart on paper. And it's possible to read, you know, how many of you, you've received a letter from someone or a text from someone, but you didn't hear the tone? And so you just misinterpreted it. It happened tonight. Alzavian, my friend, my brother... He texts me at four o'clock, Peter, where are you? Peter, where are you? And I was thinking, oh no, I was driving here. Am I late? Because I read the text, Peter, where are you? And I got here, I said, bro, was I late? What happened? What? He says, no, I just was wondering where you were. It was more like, hey, where are you? But I didn't see his smiling face. I didn't hear his tone. And so I read it and I didn't catch his heart. This happens all the time. We, we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the word so that we can actually see the countenance of our Father, the one who's speaking to us. We live now in Christ under a smiling Father. Some of you... Some of you would just be baptized into revival if you understood that the Father was smiling over you. Really, I'm not. The Father in heaven has emotion. This is why Aaron, even the priests of old with the old covenant system, may the Lord bless you. And keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. What is that? You think that's just religious language? No, your face shining is this. <laughs> He's saying, may God smile upon you. Because something happens when you, not, not just, I, I love the us, and it is us corporately, but there's something that happens when you and I experience the smile of our Father. 
Right now, if I were to poll the people in this room, most of you could give me at least five reasons why God would not be smiling at you. And those five reasons would flow from something about you, which would tell me, some of you would have a bigger list. Some of you would be like, well, because this, and because of that, and because I didn't do this, and because I didn't do that, and because, and it would all start with I. Your whole list would be I. And then you get down a little further on the list, and well, because he, or because she. And your whole list would be about man. And so you, you would think God's not smiling at you because man. But the gospel is about God and what he's like. And the grace of God, the grace of God is the very substance. It's an experience that we have. It's, it's the power to do the Christian life. The grace of God is the power to live the Christian life. How many of you get frustrated reading promises in the Bible and you think, man, that feels far from me? Okay, Brianne, thank you. Six of you, awesome. Six of you, feel the gap. All right, well then you guys can come sit up front and we're gonna have a nice little Bible study. <laughs> come on, if you read the Bible, there's these gaps. You're like, hey, you know, you've never seen him, but you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and filled with glory. You ever read that and been like, when was the last time you just flipped a lid? You couldn't, you didn't even know how to rejoice. You were just like, Aah! and you were so filled with joy that you couldn't express it. I read that and I'm like, man, I don't know. Maybe I've tasted that. Maybe. I don't know. Have I? Do I live with that? Or do you read promises that you will do greater works? John 14, 12. He who believes in me will do greater works than me. And you're like, ah. The least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. What? This man revived a nation, baptized a whole nation. And he's like, Jesus is like the least in the kingdom. If you're born again, you're in the kingdom. The least in the kingdom is greater than the original Baptist. How? Why? He promises there are these great works. Peter's shadow is healing people. This is awesome. He's walking, and his shadow is being cast in, in sick people. This is in your Bible. They're putting sick people. Can you imagine a crippled person? They're like, what are you doing? They're like, hey, the man of God's coming. Oh, is he going to do something? No, actually, if his shadow hits you, you're just going to feel like a little whoop, and you're going to be able to stand up. <laughs> Stop. Seriously? Seriously? Yeah, I'm not messing with you. Seriously. Paul, extraordinary miracles. Bringing handkerchiefs to the man. Hey, Paul, I know this is, hey, listen, I've got this little hanky. Could you, do you mind my Aunt Susie back home? She's got this thing, diphtheria. It's just really messing with her. She can't see straight. And he's like, fine. And he lays his hand and, and little, you know, nephew Tony, he's like, Ma, look. Paul, and she's like, what? And he gives the handkerchief and it's healed. You guys read your Bible or no? Is it just me? What is that? It's grace. There's a substance called grace. And it's the power of God. It's the life of God. It's the very substance of God. It's what, it's what empowers you in moments like this to worship God 
and to not think about yourself. The grace of God makes you conscious of Jesus Christ, makes you aware of him, makes you, makes you able to touch him, see him, smell him, breathe him. The grace of God illuminates, makes Jesus living color. For many of us, Jesus is black and white. We don't, we don't, we, we haven't heard, like, the grace of God is so profound. And I want to provoke you tonight. I want to provoke you to seek and understand how the grace of God comes to us. Because biblically, there's a lot of warnings about grace. You and I can nullify the grace of God in our life. All right. John 1, you guys okay? John 1 verse 12 says this. Oh no, not 12, I preach that all the time. Ooh, I wanna preach that, but I'm not going to. Verse 14, you gotta be dangerous. I mean, the word of God is dangerous. You gotta be careful, you get cut. Verse 14, John 1, are you there? Say amen. amen. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John's describing, he goes, we've seen his glory as of the only son, and let me give you two descriptions of Jesus. He's full of grace, and he's full of truth. Raise your hand if you remember the moment you were born again when you confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If I don't see your hand, I'm going to do an altar call right now. <laughs> I mean, come on. Do you remember the moment? Some anointed vessel of God or somewhere was preaching the gospel. You heard the gospel. You saw Jesus and God's grace called your name. The grace of God called to you and you began to feel. You knew in that moment, God's calling me. This is my time. And, and you hopefully were led to to confess your sin and to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and, and you understood that in that moment, he who knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. Hopefully someone told you that. That when Jesus was crucified on that cross 2,000 years ago, he was absorbing all of your nastiness, putting it in a grave, resurrecting to newness of life so that you today and forevermore could walk in newness of life, not oldness of life, not trying to do better. Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, being a Christian's hard. Are you joking? <laughs> newness of life by the grace of God with a smile on your face. Why? Because his burden is so light, light, light. That moment, you remember the experience that you had. How many of you know walking with God's an experience? There's people today, Christians, they bristle that say, well, you know, this is just only, you know, we just be careful with experience. I drink a cup of coffee in the morning, and that's an experience. You're telling me walking with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with the Holy Ghost dwelling inside of me is not an experience? This is an experience friends. The new covenant is an experience of walking with God as your father. It's an experience. Having God father you is an experience. <laughs> hearing his voice, hearing his voice, if his voice strips the cedars and causes the deer to give birth, Psalm 29, if his voice can do all of that and he whispers in the morning, 
love you. You're telling me that's not an experience? You're telling me in the beginning there was nothing and he just goes. <clears throat> he had to clear his throat because, you know, it's been a long time since he said anything. <laughs> Light. In that moment, what you experienced was called grace. That feeling where you felt the burden lift, you felt the washing and the cleansing. You were being washed and cleansed by the grace of God. The grace is God's power. It's the Holy Spirit. It's his presence. It's his person. If Jesus is full of grace and truth, then experiencing the grace of God is experiencing him. So when we talk about the presence of God, we talk about the grace of God, we talk about the Holy Spirit of God, we're talking about him. Because Jesus is full of grace and he's full of truth. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to show you just, there's so many scriptures about the grace of God. Ephesians 2 verse 4. Are you guys going to stay with me or are you going to get tired by the, by the sixth verse? We came, let's go. We're going to get in the word or not? All right. Y'all got to talk to me because, you know, if we're on a run together and you start huffing and puffing, we're going to slow down, okay? Some of y'all are like, I don't know about this guy. That's fine. I know about you. He loves you. <laughs> and you're in the right place tonight. You need the grace of God and so do I. We need the grace of God. Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he God made us alive together, say together, together, together with Christ. That's one of my favorite phrases in all of Christianity, together with Christ. Well, how are you doing brother? Well, I'm doing okay, but I'm together with Christ, so I'm amazing. That's called faith. Listen, I don't have to have it all together. It won't bother me if it doesn't bother you. <laughs> I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to be strong. I don't have to be come up here and go, well, I got all my ducks in a row. I don't have my ducks in a row. Guess what I have? I'm together with Christ. Do you know that's my sufficiency standing before you preaching the word of God is I'm together with Christ. You can't take that from me. You can't steal it. You can't judge it out of me. You can't wonder it out of me. I'm together with Christ. That's enough. No one can take it. I'm seated with him. And it's his grace. It was his love towards me. While I was dead in my, my trespasses, my sins, he made me alive together with Christ. It's by what? Grace. You've been what? Saved. Oh, man. We get so religious talking about saved. We don't get, we get so religious. First of all, number one, biblically, theologically, salvation is in three tenses. Saved. You were saved. That moment you put your faith, it was transactional. You got born again. You were saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. Somebody thank God for that. I'm thankful that the penalty of sin, that's past tense. I have been, I have been saved, but I have been saved. <laughs> Presently, right now, and, and who did that? Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Jesus the Lamb saved me from my sins. Anyone else? Okay. But right now, guess what? When Jesus said, it is finished, he did not say, I am finished. And this is perhaps the greatest error of the church. I believe this may, maybe this is overstated, maybe not. I believe perhaps one of the greatest errors of the church in our preaching and teaching in the last 200 years is that we stopped preaching the gospel at it is finished. Think about this for a moment. We, we have condensed the gospel message to the it is finished. But he did not say, I am finished. Because even this, him being placed in a grave was accomplishing grace for you and I. He's laying there lifeless in the Holy Ghost wakes Jesus up from the dead. If you've never read this scripture in your Bible with the imagination of the Holy Spirit, you've never lived. I'm telling you, you've never lived. It's better than the chosen, any 4K HD thing you've ever read. I love the chosen, by the way, amazing. But to see Jesus come up out of his grave by the Holy Spirit, the dead Jesus, to see him take his first breath <gasps> with the keys to death and Hades on his side, having accomplished an eternal redemption, the twinkle in his eyes, the fire in his eyes, this man, this man, this God, this man, this God, he wakes up from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. Not for him, for you and for me. Wow. Never to die again. Then the Bible teaches us that for 40 days, for 40 days, he's walking through walls, making fish on the beach, <laughs> making himself, proving himself alive to his disciples by many proofs. He's like, hey, it's here, I'm alive, fish, here we go, walking through walls, I'm alive. 40 days later, he's walking around, he's like, okay, boys, and gravity just stops working on him. Up he goes. This is in your Bible, Acts chapter one. Jesus just whoop, up he goes. A man, a man that they knew, a man that they walked with. Gravity stopped working on him. This is in your Bible. It's amazing. You don't know. You just wake up in the morning. You read Acts, and you're like, "Oh, what? How do you know this?" Because grace illuminated this to me. I read my Bible with grace. Some people read it in the Greek. Some people read it in the Hebrew. I read it in grace. <laughs> If your Bible study's boring, you're not reading it with the grace of God. You're trying to get something. You're trying to, rah, rah, chapters and chapters and rah. Enjoy it. It's alive. The book's alive. It's alive. Ah. I, we're making Bible study cool again in Jesus' name. I'm making Bible study cool again. <laughs> I'm telling you. Guys, I'm making Bible study cool again. It's legit. Open your Bible. It'll blow your mind. You just see people in coffee shops just like, <gasps> and you're like, what? You're like, you have no idea. Oh, my gosh. Second Timothy 2, have you ever read? <laughs> so he goes up. He didn't say it is finished. He, 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 he said it is finished, not I am finished. So you are saved. You are being saved, and one day when Jesus comes back on a white horse with a robe dipped in blood, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, you will be saved. Yeah. 
This is why it says in Peter to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. Do you know there's a future grace that you've never tasted before? So this is how grace works. This is how grace works. Jesus is full of it. Let me explain it this way. Do you guys see the power outlets? You guys know how this works because you're ninjas, you have iPhones, and there's probably 45 chargers in here ready, on the ready. You're like, if my phone dies, I'm ready. Raise your hand if you have an iPhone charger on you, on your person. Raise your hand. Hi, don't be ashamed. Raise it high. Come on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 45. Got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So look, if, if you don't, see, we know that this whole thing is wired and that there's power, and if you take that power cord and you plug it in, it's going to bring power to your little device. I'm amazed at how many Christians don't know how to plug in to the power of God. If you don't know how to plug in, if you think that the power coming into you is connected to something that you do, you are wrong. I'm just going to save you. I'm going to tell it plain because I don't want to mince words because we have a short amount of time. If you think God's power comes to you because of you, zero. God's power, his grace, his spirit comes to you because of Christ. So what do we do? We simply say yes. This is how it happened at the beginning. See, everyone's okay with it at the beginning, but we struggle with it after we get saved. Someone said, hey, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He loves you. All you got to do is just say amen, Jesus, forgive me. I love you. I want to be in covenant with you forever. That's what, I, amen? Do we hear that? And you and I, biblically, theologically, we believe, hopefully we believe this together, that when you did that, when you just said, you heard that, you heard that truth, you heard that good news, there was a quickening in your heart, and you said, yes. We believe that something called the power of God came, and you were born again. You went from darkness to light. How? How did that power come? You said, yes, based on what Jesus did. So Jesus' life, his person, his work is the engine behind your Christian life. And this is where many Christians, this is where we have lost touch with the power source. The gospel was good at the beginning. Christianity was good at the beginning. And then it became a chore. It became all about, now what do I have to do? to be sanctified. What do I have to do? Wow, you need to be sharing the gospel. Wow, you need to be, how much are you praying? How many you need to be praying more? How much, how much are you giving? You really need to be tithing more. Come on. And listen, sharing the gospel, praying, reading the Bible, all of those things, by grace, you're not even counting them anymore. When you're living in grace, you're not even 10%. You're like, 10 per what? 10 per what? It's all his. You just live like a river. You're just Boom, rivers of living water, let it flow. If I received it, you can have it. I, I'm speaking to you as a recovering like performance for God's affection, for his love, and for his power. God has delivered me and is delivering me from this. And he's teaching me to live in the river called grace. I can promise you. I played professional soccer for a living. That was what I did. You know why? Not because I was some like amazing phenom. It's because I learned how to work really hard as a little boy. As a ninth grader, I understood that if I kept getting a little bit better every week, eventually I would be better than a lot of people. And I was. And so, man, I sweat. I knew how to get good at soccer. You know how? I worked harder than everyone else. 
And I knew that if I stepped onto any field and I worked harder than everyone there, eventually I would reach a high level. Well, and then, and I did, I reached a high level and I played soccer. They paid me to play the game of soccer. How ridiculous is that? So fun, so amazing. And then I got whacked by God. Huh. Yeah. I was a mess, addicted to pornography. So I was a believer, I loved God, but I had strongholds, I had bondages. And I went into, I was in a meeting like this and these people prayed for me and God pulled out my SIM card. I went over, down to the ground. Good old Bible church kid. I did not know the Holy Ghost. I was not Pentecostal, Assemblies of God, charismatic, nothing. I was Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And God zapped me, and I'm laughing, speaking in tongues. This prophetess woman comes. She starts casting demons out of me. I didn't have a theology for demons. I'm laying there, vibrating under the power of God, and she's like, you demons of lust, come out of him. I'm like, I'm like wow, I have demons. She was like, you will not manifest. I'm like, yeah, you will not manifest. <laughs> just, just being tased on the ground by God. It was March 9th, 2006. I've never been the same. I've never been the same. God delivered me. He saved me. I began to walk in the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. I began to prophesy. I began to see people healed on the streets. First miracle I ever saw with my hands while I was in Finland. God gave me a word of knowledge for this guy. I laid hands on him. I said, or I said, hey, can I pray for you? Finns are amazing. I love them, but they can be a little bit shy on the streets. And I see this guy and I'm like, hey man, this is gonna sound really weird, but can I pray for you? He says, what? He says, God showed me a picture of you yesterday. <laughs> I don't know, once you just in the deep end, you just gotta go with it, you know, you just own it. <laughs> I saw a picture of you exactly yesterday and just this whole situation, God wants to heal you. He's like, no, 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 bro. I'm like, no, bro, for real, please, I'm persisting. And the girlfriend with him, she goes, fine, you can try. That was, the, that was the circumstance. Fine, you can try. And I was like, oh, Lord. I saw Bill Johnson do this once. <laughs> I got down. I told you I got tongues, and so I hit it with a little tongues first. Just <laughs> went in doubt, hit it with some tongues. You know, never know. You pray the perfect will of God. And I said, just be healed. And I said, man, test it out. He goes, well, okay, whatever. And he steps down and he says the F-bomb in Finnish. <laughs> My man was not born again yet. He goes, oh, wow. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> I was just as shocked as he was. <laughs> like, what a man of great faith. No, I was shocked. I was like, I can't believe it worked. <laughs> I thought, to be honest, I thought worldwide revival was about to happen. I started preaching to everyone on the streets. I was in, I was in Acts chapter three. I was Peter. It was happening right there. The man with the little sprained ankle, the sprained ankle healing was gonna cause revival in Europe. And I just, did you see that? And he's carrying his, look at him, he's, come on, it's Jesus. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, just carrying on. And so I, I, I started living in this thing of like, wow, I can do the thing. I can pray. I can, and I started trying to earn God's affection. I didn't know the gospel. I didn't know covenant. I started praying for people because I should. I would see sick people. I'm like, well, I should. 
If you can, you should. And my heart began to grow numb. And I started thinking that the more that I did, the more activity, because I had a pure heart, I actually wanted to do the things. I wanted to wake up at 4 a.m. I wanted to spend time with God. I remember, I remember hearing like several men of God, they were like, yeah, I wake up at three in the morning every morning and I spend six hours with God. And I'm like, what? I'm like, in my heart, I was like, yes, I want that. You know, you hear that and you're like, yes. You imagine they're just seraphim showing up right when they wake up. They don't even need coffee. They're just levitating out of their bed. And I said, Lord, yes. And so I started setting my alarm. At the time, I had about three kids. You, I mean, yeah, right. I set my alarm. I just snooze right through that thing. Weeks. Set it for 3 a.m. Why? Because I wanted God. I wanted God. 3 a.m. Slept right through a snooze. I wake up at 7 a.m., 6.30 a.m., just condemned. Wake up every morning condemned, 6.30 a.m., just <sighs> did it again, slept in again. Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Look at you, you fool, you dog. You'll never be, you'll never be Reinhard Bunky. <laughs> Praise God, I'm Peter Lewis, you know. So, so I wake up one morning and I'm, I'm showering. It's, it was, I don't know, seven in the morning. I'm in the shower. The presence of God comes into my shower. I was not praying, y'all. I mean, God loves the, he must love the shower. Raise your hand, you're like, yep, the shower. Come on, I don't know. I think it's the water. This is not in the Bible. Stop the tapes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it's the water. I think whatever, like if the, if the demons go to dry places, I think something about when you get wet, when you get wet, the devil's like, ah! I can't do it, and you just get this open. You're just like, Lord, the ideas, hallelujah, and you just start in the glory, <laughs> the shower. And he says, are you tired of waking up condemned every morning? I was like, yes. And he says, I want you to know, I see your desire to wake up at four in the morning and spend time with me. He goes, I love that. Kind of like, that's cute. I'm serious, because God is a father. Do you, do you see what, I want you to see how this happened. This testimony is going to deliver many of you into the grace of God. My pure desire became a yoke and a burden that condemned me. This is happening to many of you in this room. I have met few people that say, I'm like, hey, do you, how's your prayer life? Ah, you know, it could be better. I've actually never met one believer that's like, I feel good about it. I'm strong. I feel solid. My prayer life is on point. <laughs> Why? Why is that? Because we desire to pray. Holy Ghost is inside of you like, I want to talk to dad. I want to talk to the father. I want to talk all the time. He's just like, I want to I wanna commune. I want a fellowship. And when we learn to just yield to his desire, we do something called abiding. In the new covenant, you get to do something called abiding. That means you get to live in a constant, like, where it's open here and yet still open here. 
At the very, very beginning, God takes you away and you have to like, only, he's like, hey, look at me, put your phone, look at me, look at me. And you have to do this thing at the beginning. But then when you begin to mature and grow, you can live with a consciousness of God and still be here. And he says, are you tired of waking up condemned? I said, yes. He goes, I need you to know I'm going to be here at 7 a.m. I'm going to be here at 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. If you want to point him in at 10, at 11, at noon. He says, stop living condemned and start walking with me. And he goes, and listen, he goes, I see your desire for the quiet place. Watch this. I will wake you up. I will help you. And do you know what? God has been faithful to that. God will just... Four in the morning. I'm like, I'm just awake. No, no crusties in the eye, just awake. I'm like, what's happening? You know, you're just there, you know, 4 a.m. And you're like, yes, what? <laughs> no kids are kicking me, you know. I see my kids still come in my bed. I know it's weird, but, you know, I got five kids and they kick me and all the things. My daughter punched me this morning, this morning. I just like, ah, oh, you doing And you need really grace when your daughter punches you at like four in the morning. You need grace. I'm not even preaching the word to you guys. All right, are y'all with me? Are y'all okay? Okay. Where are you in, he in Ephesians? Okay, we didn't finish Ephesians. By grace, oh, there we go. That's what happened. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 5 happened. By grace, you've been saved. So saved is, I'm saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Jesus is the Lamb of God who saved you. He is now presently, when he went up, oh, I remember now, he went up as our high priest. He's alive right now, sitting on a throne of? Grace. Jesus is sitting on a throne of? Grace. As a great high priest, and in the midst of the throne, is, the Bible says, is that there's a lamb as those slain. So you've got a priest and a sacrifice and a throne all in heaven happening right now. That is the power outlet for your Christian life. Do you know why I feel good about my prayer life? Because I'm together with Christ. And guess what my Bible says? He always lives to make intercession for me. So there is a constant incense arising, to use an Old Testament, Old Covenant deal. There's incense arising from Jesus to the Father on our behalf. And guys, I, wanna, I, feel, the, I feel the zeal of the Lord in my heart. I know I'm kind of, we're laughing, but I feel his zeal wanting to break off this small-minded, small God, like, like frowning God, like, like, oh, I can't believe you haven't done this. I can't believe you should know better by now. Raise your hand if in the last month you have heard the lie because you stumbled, because you fell, because you did something that you should know better by now. Raise your hand if you heard that voice and you lived under it. Look at this. Look at this. This is from the pit of hell. Your father never talks that way. The Bible says, 1 John 2 he says, my beloved, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if, everyone say if. Yes. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now you hear advocate and you're like, okay, nice. That's a nice lawyer term. No, I need you to lift your eyes up. I need you to look up. I need you to see at the center of heaven, 
there is a throne that John the Revelator saw. And there's one seated on the throne in his glory. And there is a lamb as though slain in the midst of the throne. And there is a throne of grace that Jesus is sitting on. And biblically, according to Ephesians 2, you and I have been seated there as well. And biblically, watch this, this is the strength of the new covenant. You and I were given access to come close to God regardless of our behavior, regardless of our condition. Why? So that we could find mercy and grace and help in our time of need. Which means that the new covenant way, the new and living way is, is so, it's narrow through Jesus, but it's broad once you get to the other side. What does that mean? It means that I don't care where you're at tonight. Well, but you don't know where I'm at. No, 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 you don't understand. You don't know where he's at. The strength of the covenant, you cannot deal with what you're going through without proximity to the throne of grace. But what happens is because we are not grounded with a theology of the grace of God, because we don't have a strong faith in the grace of God, we get, a, we get a defiled conscience. We have something that we're dealing with, an issue. We get angry. We, 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 you know, our hearts are numb, whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden, we get a defiled conscience. And we start thinking, what do I need to do to open the way again? And the moment you say that biblically, you have been severed from grace. You are nullifying the work of Christ on your behalf. And you're saying, Jesus, I know that you're in heaven right now mediating the new covenant, but I'd like to try to mediate it myself. And we need to repent of this and repent of it quickly. Because guys, time is short. This is, we need to grow up into mature living in the grace of God. God. Why? So that you and I can become rivers of grace to those around us. I'm telling you, the invitation is to be a river of grace. Y'all know in Revelation 22.1, the Bible says that there is a river of the water of life flowing from what? The throne. What throne? The throne of grace. There is so much grace. There's an abundance of grace. You can write some of these scriptures down. Romans 5, 17. To those, to those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, they will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is maybe one of my favorite, I say this about every scripture. But look at what's at stake. Because of the, ones, the one man's trespass, death reigned, Death reigned. We know what it's like for death to reign. All the chaos, 2020, death was just reigning in our nation. It's still reigning in so many ways. We know what death, death's like to reign in relationships. Death reigned through that one man. Which man? Adam. But how much more will those, everyone say those. those. Who what? Receive. receive. Oh, watch this. Receive. Hey, what do I do, Peter? Receive. Recibelo. In the nombre de Jesus, recibelo. Those who receive the abundance of grace, the immeasurable riches of his grace, there's the, an abundance of grace for us to receive from Jesus' past, present, and future work. Those who receive and, everyone say and, and. the free gift of righteousness, those ones will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I want to just describe to you briefly reign in life, and then we're going we're gonna to close with, with 
some celebration. Yeah, if y'all want to get set up, if y'all want to get set up, if you want to help him get set up. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm talking to you, Alzavian, Aaron. Yep, thank you. Hey, look, look at me. Let, let them do that. Or Look at me, what's at stake, church? Listen to me. I mean, with all my heart, it's, it's your inheritance to reign. Reigning means that, that sin is not eating your lunch. You're not walking in the fear of man, walking into a room this big, and oh, what are they going to think of me? And it doesn't matter what you think, because his face is smiling at me, and I like that. And you may be frowning at me, but he's smiling at me, and I'm smiling back at you, because I love you. Reigning in life looks like when someone sins against you, you have the power to be patient in your heart, to be kind to them, to be, to be long-suffering in the relationships that are difficult. This grace I'm preaching to you isn't some happy, clappy, whimsy, flimsy. This is spiritual strength and fortitude and, and, and longevity and faithful to the end. And you're going to be 85 years old. And you will not be 85 or 90 years old living, living for God without the grace of God. I know it, my hope, my, my desire, what I believe is that we were made to be burning hearts when the Lord returns, waiting for his return. How is that gonna happen? By the grace of God. Reigning in life, how, how do I reign in life? You receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Reigning in life looks like real, listen, listen to me, I, I don't want you to hear me preaching some weird prosperity thing. You will have tribulation. You'll have suffering. That's why you're here. You're like, God, I need you. It's the grace of God that will cause you to be an overcomer, that will cause you to reign over it. It's not, you're not going to ignore it. You're not going to pretend like you weren't betrayed. You're not going to pretend like the thing didn't happen. You're not going to pretend like, you know, you're, you're, you're not in the, in the valley of the shadow of death. But what's going to happen in the valley of the shadow of death is you're going to go, I know there's one who's walking with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And you're going to tap into the grace of God in any and every situation. In Acts chapter 16, Paul, he's, he's sitting there and he's like in prison, beaten. And he taps into the grace of God. He's reigning. This man is reigning. You know why? Because he starts singing unto the Lord in prison. Do you see it? He had access to God, Paul and Silas. He had access to God. And he wasn't in the best of circumstances. And so, listen to me. I realize many of you in this room... You, you are not, there's things happening. The, the waters are shaking all around you. Relationships are difficult. Your life may not be where you want it to be. But I believe there is a river of grace. There is a river of grace that God wants you to drink from. Hebrews 4.16, you can go there in your Bible if you want, just so you can see it. This is where we're gonna end together corporately. Hebrews 4.16. Look at the screen. Look at what it says. Because Jesus, he said, it is finished, not I am finished. So he is now, right now, literally this moment. Isn't this an amazing thought? Jesus is alive right now in heaven on a throne. How do I really know he's going to be able to give me grace? Because there's a lamb as though slain in the midst of the throne. That's your atonement. He's invested his blood 
to see you set free and made whole. Because of this reality of our high priest in heaven, he says, let us then with what? If you're in this room tonight and you're like, you think, you think encountering the grace of God is some Russian roulette, well, maybe tonight's not my night. I want to tell you, I want to bless you to have confidence. The reason why you feel that way is because you're looking at you. I want you to look at Jesus. He can't change his mind about you tonight. He can't not pay for the, your sins. He can't not give you grace. Why? Because he's already paid for it. I want you to have confidence tonight. When, when you're walking into a restaurant and you got a full wad of cash, you're confident you're going to have a good meal. I want you to stand to your feet confident. We're going to approach the throne of grace tonight. Look, confidence to draw near, not far. We're not going to keep God far at bay. This is for any and every need, big and small tonight. So I want you to just look to heaven and I'm going to pray for you and then these guys are going to lead us. Jesus, we exalt your work in this house tonight. Jesus, we declare that your atoning sacrifice as the Lamb of God, you've taken away the sins of the world, you've taken away our sins, you've made us clean tonight in your presence, you've washed us, you've purchased us, and you've called us your own. We exalt you, Jesus, over our failures, over our weakness, over our mistakes, over our repeated habits. Everyone who raised their hand that said, I should know better, God, we repent. And we come to our advocate tonight. We come to you in need, confident that there is a river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And I want to prophesy and declare to you that one of the ways God saves you and delivers you and heals you is by giving you joy, joy before the prison doors open. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It is His joy. And I prophesy the river. There's a river. I want you to see the river.